This is Mackenzie Milton, and you're listening to One Night Stand. Chomp with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Chomp with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship game. Cause I ball hard. Don't be by harder. I am the bird man. This is One Night Stan. Presented by SeatGeek. That's seat like you sit in and geek like a nerd. Get $20 off your purchase by using promo code UCFPROBLEMS. That's right. You can get $20 off. Hey, you could go to pit. 20 bucks off. Promo code UCFPROBLEMS. Get your pit tickets. Come to the game. Support the Knights. See you there. Charge on. What up, Knight fans? It's Tuesday, September 17th. We have a loaded show for you today. I can't wait. We're going to talk about the blowout win versus Stanford, but more importantly, DG11, QB1, LFG. Also, is this our best team ever? We debate. We also talk about the student ticketing debacle, them leaving at halftime, the new AP ranking, and the usual segments, probs, probs, money moves, picks. We answer all your mailbag questions. All right, let's do it. I'm here with... Money Moo, another blowout victory for UCF over the Stanford Cardinal, 45-20. to Yes, I said 45-20 to because that stupid fumble at the end to make it 45-27 will never actually count in my record book. Yeah, it just stinks that the score was way closer than the game. I mean, it was 38-7 to at halftime, and I think why a lot of the students left, but we'll talk about that later. Hey, what did I say last week? I'm pretty sure we're going to win by 40, and eh, we won by what? 28? That's 40 in my book, so round it up. Well, it was 18. <laughs> we uh, won by 18. That's it? It's pretty crazy, though, that the, like my personal power rank line was minus 16 and a half, and I said we would win between 14 and 17. It was pretty close. Yeah, so. but you just said we won by 25, so. Well, yeah, <laughs> we did, but. No, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, that was silly, but whatever. It doesn't count. We were just trying to run the clock out. So, obviously, the big news, Dylan Gabriel, QB1. Who would have thought we'd be having this conversation? I mean, I know we all thought he was good, and we saw that he was good, but he just proved he is the real deal. He's our quarterback of the future for the next four years, unless we save his red shirt. <laughs> what are your no. thoughts on <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a joke. Guys, stop talking about that, please. The red shirt thing's over. Stop. That's it. That's the last we're going to talk about it. Um, but what are your thoughts overall on everything that we just saw? Well, after a performance like that, you know, I think he cemented himself as uh, the Stone Cold Lock, QB number one. An amazing performance. Four passing touchdowns for the true freshman to four different wide receivers. And, I mean, they all are good in their own, in their <laughs> own way. There's so different types of throws that he can make. Um, yeah, dude, it was it was beautiful. Deep, deep bombs, slants. Uh, His deep ball is pretty, man. Yeah. That lefty too. It's like it's still taking me a little while to get used to it, coming out of the you know the different side. But uh, where's all the people you know that were complaining about his completion percentage last week? Yeah, I, know, I think right. he shut all of those people up. Yeah, um, this is it. The next chapter of UCF football has just begun, and Dylan Gabriel is going to lead us throughout the way. Obviously, we have you know two, three really good backups, which is awesome to have. Who knows what's going to happen with them down the line, but at least for this season, I think we're doing pretty good. 
you know, this whole thing with Dylan too, I don't know if you saw the article that came out in The Athletic this week that talked about a little bit about his recruiting process. And I guess Casey had dinner with Heupel uh, once a week uh, last season, or I guess he does it all the time. And he started to tell him about Dylan and Hype said he kind of ignored him. And then week after week, Casey kept, you know, pressing him and pressing him and finally looked at the tape. And he's like, all right, we got to go visit this guy. He was already committed to Navy. We gave him an offer. He committed to us. Then he started to get offers from a bunch of bigger schools. And long story short, I mean, KZ is the reason that he's here. And, uh, I mean, just the fact that KZ, the GOAT, recruited his successor to here. That's just the GOAT doing GOAT things. And, dude, who's the QB at Mililani right now? Like, just give him an offer, whoever the guy is right now in high school. Yeah, we at least need to be in contact with him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look at this pipeline. Give him an offer, sight unseen. Uh, but, yeah, the whole story is crazy. And, Guys, like, this is it. This is UCF football for the next four years. Um, it's pretty clear and evident. I love the other guys. Everyone knows I've been the biggest Mac fan the whole time. I mean, I played that song last time because I really thought he was going to be a part of our team, and he might be going forward. But, I mean, the future's here. It's pretty clear and evident. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Dylan Gabriel is our guy moving forward. Yeah, a couple of things I wanted to talk about through the game we were at the game, and then I finally got a chance to watch it late last night again on TV. Wow, that first drive, I think it was a penalty or something. It knocked us back to so a third and 15. He completes a 20-yard slant to Gabe Davis. They hurry up to the line. The very next play was that beautiful touchdown on the right to Marlon Williams, who oh, was he, clearly getting interfered with. He he boxed that guy out. He just bodied Ma- him. Marlon just wanted it more. But that's the type of throw and the – back-to-back throws that are almost impossible for a true freshman. Kid's freaking 18 years old. He's growing up before our eyes very fast. I mean, that's just something that a true freshman doesn't do. Yeah, and, you know, one thing we do really, really have to credit is the offensive line because he, you know, he steps back, sets his feet, and that's it. I mean, there was one or two plays where he, he had to move around, but... It's like night and day versus KZ's freshman year, so who knows what he would have looked like. He's back there not having to worry about anyone at any time, and that's the hardest thing is, as a freshman quarterback is getting used to the you know the difference in game speed and everything like that, and that's not even an issue with him. What a seamless transition. Yeah, zero sacks also given up by the offensive line, so another, another great performance. Yeah. Snaps, knock on wood for them. <laughs> what else did you notice from rewatching the game? Well, we talked. We spent a lot of time talking about Dylan. I want to talk about the rest of the team because everyone else had an amazing performance too. My overall theme, I think, for the game was we just wanted it more. I'll pull out three plays that I noticed this. The first one was the touchdown grab by Marlon Williams. Guy was interfering with him all over the place. Basically had him wrapped up with a tackle. Marlon fought through a beautiful, beautiful catch. Basically just said... Even the nope. announcer said this. The announcer said, get off me. <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously. Pulling that in. Second play, Killens on a run up the middle. He broke through the initial line. He got to like a linebacker or a, a bigger safety. And, you know, Killens only weighs what, like 160? No, I think he's like oh. 175 now, dude. Okay. Well, he was like 165 he used to be, last year. He used to be a little smaller. So this is where I would expect, you know, Killens to like juke right, juke left, or spin or something. Nope. He went head on into this guy and smacked him. Yeah. <laughs> Ran right over him, got a couple more yards. And then the third play, 
was Otis Anderson. It was like on a fourth and one. He ended up not getting the first down, but the second effort, he ran straight into the pile, bounced off, and spun around for an extra like half a yard. Still didn't get it, though. He didn't get it, but the, it's all about the extra effort, effort yeah. the motivation. We just want it more. I agree. Everything's coming together for us, finally. And I've said it before. I, I thought this was you know, one of our, our better teams overall besides the quarterback position. Now the quarterback position I'm very comfortable with. I can't find anything I'd change. I mean, everyone's playing real well. The D-line is playing so good. And they're like a bunch of players who I'm still like having to look at the program to figure out who they are. Coming into the season, we said the D-line could be a problem. It yeah. could be a weakness just because of how much we lost and there were so many unknowns. Now I'm looking at the D-line and they're, they're I'm calling strength. out names and this <laughs> is one of our strengths. Yeah, I think everything's our strength. Duh. Both lines, <laughs> our linebacking unit's awesome. The DBs have been great. The quarterback, obviously, uh, we just talked about that. And obviously, you know, and then the rest is the skill positions. This is a it's complete tough. team. I mean, we have no weaknesses. I, the I, kicking seems seamless. Yeah. I mean, you P- know, I, punting's there. Osteen I, I, in the house. I think this is our best team ever. Oh, ever. so when everyone went crazy on me last week when I said that. This 2019 team would be favored by a field goal over 2017 team. Did people go crazy? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Because you don't have access to my Twitter. Well, I don't go through your mentions. <laughs> I, have, I have too many of my own to look through. Dude, I think, yeah, this is the best team we've ever had. You know, you look back to some of the other teams, and like you remember how our defense dominated in the Peach Bowl, even though they gave up some touchdowns late. I mean, felt like we dominated them, but... That's a team that gave up 55 the week before to Memphis and 42 the week before to South Florida. We would never give up that many points this season to those teams. And it's not even close. And our offensive line is probably one of the best ever. Maybe the 13 one was as good, but how the hell do you compare those? And, yeah, we're just we're complete all around. You know, it stinks because some of the teams of the last two years have had really good players that might be better than some of the players we have now. But overall... This is the best, most complete team that UCF has ever seen. And, God, I feel like a broken record, but it's so true because I said this last year and I said it like last week. This season is going to be special. This season is going to be really special. Go to as many games as you can. Just soak it all in. This might ever happen again, even though I said that last year. <laughs> but and the seriously, year it's, I think it, you said that in 2013, too. Well, I didn't have a podcast. I, <laughs> I did, but all right. So then when we won the Fiesta Bowl, I'm like, guys, this is it. Like, we peaked as a program. And But, you know, each one of those previous seasons that was amazing has laid the foundation for now we're actually getting, like, a lot of legit national recognition. And people are like starting Dude. earlier and earlier every year. Well, and, you know, once you do something for three years in a row, like, the first time was a fluke. Last year was like, oh, they don't play anyone. Now it's like, look, guys they've been doing this for three years at some point we've got to start to take them seriously and people are and not just that they are we're actually really really good and we're better and it's this is gonna be so much fun man i cannot wait for these next couple months now i'm giddy (laughs) let me just play devil's advocate okay is this overreaction week three ucf still has not left the state of florida we've had two home games one pretty much home game and FAU, how does the true freshman deal with a tough road test against our next Power 5 opponent in Pittsburgh? Is Pitt a tough road test? I mean... 
You can't tell them any road game for a true freshman. Especially a P5. But, you know, it's not a college stadium, which could be more intimidating, but there's, like, less tradition and stuff. They're going to come out for this game. Their fans are. They are. They're going to be pissed. I mean, this is a huge revenge game for them. We punched them right in the mouth last game, and they, like, just got their teeth fixed. And, you know, they almost just beat Penn State last week, and we'll talk about that game a little bit later. But this is a good team. I just I, – I don't, I don't know if we'll cover the spread, but – they're a good team, and I think they could come out kind of hot against us, and that'll maybe really test the true freshman, Dylan. We'll see what he can do under adversity, because right now there hasn't been any adversity. And that was my next point, the, how he deals with the pressure. I mean, name a drive this season where he's been in, and it's like, oh my God, we have to score on this drive. Uh, dude, it hasn't happened yet. He's just looked so cool and collected. And that's that, great that it hasn't happened yet. But I think... He's just looks so calm and poised that I think we can throw anything at him and he'll be fine. The way he's dealt with just the 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 spotlight and the attention and stuff so far, and he's just overperformed anything that anyone could have dreamed of. No one thought he was going to be this good. No one thought we would beat Stanford by this much. And I I just wouldn't be surprised if the the same story continues throughout the season. But uh, you know, got to go one and zero every week. So real quick, let's wrap the rest of this game up. Other thoughts: the whiteout. That did pretty well, I thought. What, what, how did that look thought, when we rewatched it? I thought it, it looked good. There weren't too many people without white, which, again, don't... If you don't want to wear white, I get it. Like It's not the most flattering color and it's raining, but don't go out and say it on social media and be like, no, this is dumb, because we're not going to just change. Just wear your gray shirt, but like, don't... I don't know. That stuff pisses me off. It is tough. You know, I, visit, I went down to the bookstore... Uh, I hate... For- I, I own no white clothes that I would ever wear... On any occasion, I hate white. It sucks. It makes my belly stick out. My nipples stick out. It's not a flattering color, but I will do it for UCF. Like <laughs> I was going to say, I went to the bookstore uh, earlier in the day, and I actually saw, of course, it was crowded as hell. Yeah. And I, I guess they just changed that from this year, the one next to... Uh, the basketball stadium. Right. They took out like all those books and like magazines and crap and just put like way more merchandise. They had so much which stuff. Is awesome. I got the bucket but hat. Everyone was buying white shirts. So I feel like people were trying. It's just yeah. kind of hard to find something white that fits you good. You know, I get it. But that's fine. And even if you're not going to wear white, that's fine. Just don't go out and say you're not wearing it. Like, don't. It looks dumb. But um, yeah, it looked pretty good, I thought, overall. Uh, prior best white out ever. Oh, did you see Tiger on the sideline? Uh, I did on the broadcast, but I, I had no idea. Someone told me it was there, and then I did. I started like running laps around the stadium looking. Oh, for well, you're him. on the visitor's side, so yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't see him, but uh, yeah, Mr. Studio Girl, apparently Tiger his, Woods. Apparently, his girlfriend is a UCF alum because she had on UCF stuff. Was yeah. on the sideline. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Casey's mom tweeted. He said. Uh, Casey got to meet Tiger and shake his hand or something like that, and he was uh, so excited he didn't even introduce himself to his girlfriend that had on UCF stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure he didn't do on purpose. I mean, I'm sure he was pretty starstruck, uh, although, uh, I don't know, Casey's kind of his own little celebrity too. Uh, can I just real quick go back to Dylan? Yeah, yeah. Still hasn't turned the ball over. Un- yeah. Unreal. Unreal. And no sacks either, right? Unbelievable. Well, uh... I'll have to look that up later, but not many sacks. I, not many sacks. He's, he's been I throwing think there the ball might away. have been one or two. No picks, no fumbles. No picks, no fumbles. Again, never counting that last fumble. What last fumble? Well, it was by <laughs> right. But anyway, it, no. it was in all garbage time. Doesn't count. Uh, yeah. 
But no, no picks. I mean, yeah, and you well, know, true freshman doesn't throw a pick. Yeah, what you know what when you've got a talent like he does with the offensive line blocking like they are, and the the receivers, the skill players that can go up and get these. You know, even if it's maybe not that good of a ball, they can adjust or uh, at least make sure the other guy doesn't get it. It's a really, really, really good combination for a quarterback like Dylan. Just all the pieces are fitting together. We're going to the playoff. We're we are going to the playoff. I'm telling you, man. The talent at receiver though is is incredible. Dude. Trey Nixon. This was his second game leading in receptions. Um, he was catching lasers, lasers yep. from Dylan. Uh, and I think maybe a little bit of the Jake Hescox coming out party. Yeah. Has Maybe Cox a coming out. There's, <laughs> little bit of Hes, Hescox coming out party. There's a joke there, but <laughs> no, I really love that play. They ran it twice. I think on the same drive where Dylan rolls out to the right and Hescock is. It's almost like an option. Hescock is running in you know five yards down the field, and then you see one Stanford defender, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know what to do." Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and both times, uh, Dylan completed completed the pass to Jake and uh that was great I love that play yeah um again all right one last thing actually now that you mentioned Gabriel has he even run the ball I remember last year KZ I mean the first game he had like 10 design runs I feel like the last thing Dylan ever wants to do is run the ball even though he's a mobile quarterback and can move around I just feel like either they took that out of the offense or he's just throwing the ball away or maybe a combination of both how many runs has he had the last two games he had only like three or four, but the thing is, he doesn't need to. Well, he doesn't K- need to run. KZ didn't need to run either, but he was skilled as a runner, so we use that once in a while. But I like that. You know, and honestly, I think, too, after USF game, we're going to avoid design runs, like maybe well, call one like once every two, three games, you know, really catch him off guard. We can't put our quarterback in harm's way like that again, so... Um, all right. Oh, another thing too. So everyone's been talking about this almost as much as the blowout win was the fact that the student section emptied out by halftime. Now, Hypo mentioned it in his press conference. I know Hypo had no idea how the student tickets work. If you had known these kids have been standing out there since noon for a 3.30 kickoff, I'm sure he would have felt for them and not been upset. But he did mention it. And what I say to Hypo is, you don't want the students to leave? Stop scoring so much then. How about that? Right? Just don't score as much and everyone will stay. There you go. No, but seriously, what are your thoughts on this whole student ticket debacle? Because something's got to change. It's not fair to the kids. And it's also not fair to the team to put the kids in a situation where they want to leave at halftime. I mean, if that were me and we're up 38-7 and I've been standing out in the sun for five and a half hours, I'm out of there. Let's be real. Yeah. Well, so what? We were up 38-7. To me, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Look, the kids, the people that are complaining about this are the ones that tailgate right up until like 3 o'clock or 3.15 and then get to their seat that's already there. They still do it like this, right? None of the seats are reserved in the student section, are they? No, so here, let me explain it. So so you have to claim a student ticket or something like that, but then it's still first come, first serve. You don't know when you have to line up to be one of the first 12,000. So what's happening is every week people are lining up earlier and earlier and earlier. Well, this game, it was very, very hot out. This was the biggest demand for the student section ever. And the kids were told if they left line, they would lose their spot. Like there was no leaving line and going back. So 
people probably brought water, but they ran out of water. They couldn't go to the bathroom. I think like a lot of people like passed out and stuff like that. It just wasn't a good situation. Danny White said he would address it. I know he will. I know there'll be a better system. What I'm thinking is you can't do first come first serve. Do some kind of lottery and then have a um, like a standby area if they don't come through the gate by a certain time. The standby people can come in, anyone on standby, covered area, TV, so you can watch the game. And then if students leave, then you get to fill their spot maybe. I don't know. But all I know is that I trust that Danny White will have a completely revamped system for the UConn game, UConn night game, family weekend, 7 p.m. on ESPN2 in two weeks, and everything will be solved. Don't blame the kids. Come on. I actually kind of like that idea. So... You know, as we grow and as we get better, you know, we're going to come up to these different and new obstacles. So Which is a good thing. It is a good thing. And I feel like UCF being a newer school with less traditions that they're more willing to change like on the fly, depending on, you know, whatever happens. Like even all the way back to 2007 when the stadium opened, I don't know if you remember what they built the stadium and had like two water fountains. Yeah, that was well. Bad. Like the very next game, all of a sudden they had like fifty water fountains and a like, bunch they're of water, all over the place and a bunch of water jugs. I mean, dude, here's how much we've grown. I didn't buy season tickets for my first two years after graduating in like thirteen and fourteen because all they were doing was swiping your IDs, and there were enough seats in the student section where it didn't matter. My ID wouldn't swipe, but the person that makes like the temp worker that makes like seven bucks an hour wouldn't care I would just you know oh sorry my ID won't swipe please let me in so that's how I got in the games for the next two years after I graduated but there wasn't a demand for those now we're like you said we're facing all kinds of new obstacles schools that have had football stadiums for hundreds of years have probably seen every problem obviously they didn't have electronic tickets and stuff but there's always been the demand it's just growing pains it's a good problem to have we'll figure it out it's not rocket science. Like I think I just gave a decent solution. So I'm in the boat where you just buy a season ticket or buy a buy a ticket. Look, the prices for the Stanford game were pretty high mm-hmm. to begin with. But by the time like the day before the game and the game, it was twenty bucks. Okay. There's nowhere else, no other top twenty five program where you're gonna get a ticket to arguably the best home game. For $20. That's true, but I don't think you can sit in the student section. You can't. Okay, so... I mean, come on. I I, I would want to sit in the student section. It's fun. It's rowdy. Like, well, yeah. I, I, I there's get what no you're perfect saying. solution. I mean, look, I'm just you, trying to come up with something. So, you're right. If you really want to go to the game and you're a student, there's a way for you to go to the game. Like you said, cheap ticket. But the whole system of how students get into the game still sinks. Both can be true. It's not an excuse for students not to go, but it's also, uh, I guess, there is an excuse for them not to wait in that stupid line, because, right. I, I mean, I would Well, like you said, that we, we're growing and we're changing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the exact same system that we had in 2015 when we went winless, right? I don't remember. Like, I'm pretty sure no, I don't think... it's always been, like, first come, first serve around, since around that time, just because thing... we were trying to get people. Okay, well, some circumstances have changed, so now we need to relook at the system. Yeah. Well, when first come, first serve becomes the point where like people are camping out, then you need to change it. When it's like, oh, a thousand people didn't get in the game because they got there like 30 minutes late and they got denied, first come, first serve is great. That's perfect. So you're right. 
and uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried. Do. They'll figure it out. It's just a matter of time. But hang in there. Hey, mad props to everybody who actually yeah, did stay in that line. That's insane. And everything. Especially, you know, if you're out there tailgating, we got out at, what, like 9.30? We were out early. I was there at like 10, but yeah. And then you drank, and then you're out in the sun. You know, thir- it's 38-7. Come on. I mean, look. I'm not I, saying like leave every game, and it's bad because yeah, we left halftime. <laughs> we left at halftime for FAU. I'll say it because we were tired. Sucked. That sucked, and it was a night game, and we couldn't get any food. But yeah, again, circumstances dictated that we needed to leave that game at halftime. We had an excuse. Plus, it was an away game. But anyway, I agree. Look, we could talk about this all day. I think everyone's in the consensus, whether you think the students should have left or not. I think everyone agrees that there should be a new system, and I think everyone will have faith in Danny White and all his staff, too, to figure this out. So that's it. Let's move on. Okay, so the new AP ranking came out. We moved up from 17th to 15th, also 16th in the coaches' poll. Obviously, people thought we should have been ranked higher. I agree. I still think, you know, I think our lowest ranking was 21 out of all the 50-whatever writers, and after that, it was 19. So I think it's a consensus that we're a decent team. And a lot of us, I think over 50% had us actually in the top 15. So we're making progress, not as much as we wanted, but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? And also Florida moving up one. Just got to keep going 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. No, yeah. that's like hypo speak. But anyway, <laughs> this all sorts itself out in the end. You know what I mean? Because, like... Does it? We didn't make the playoff last year. Yeah, I mean, like, all these teams will start losing. Yep. (laughs) And then we should be going up. But didn't I also say that last year? I mean, we went up farther last year than we did in 2017, right? We got to eight. Yeah. So then this year, we just got to do it again, and maybe we'll get to, like, six. I think the difference is last year we were still, like, this underdog Cinderella thing. I think we've got the majority on our side finally of like major influential college football writers and just the people in general. And it's like, why not give them a shot? And we said that last year, but like now it's three years in a row. And I think this is our year. I think this is our year. I think we're going to make the playoff. I just feel it, man. I really do. When Kirk Herbstreet tweets UCF, I see the light. You guys are for real. I think he said, I saw the light. He saw the light. He just said it today. Yeah, yeah. He Whatever. Sa- he said he for saw For him to yeah. be on our side, and how many times did I watch that video where he just like <laughs> went nuts over us? Utah State, yeah. Boise State. Utah State, Boise State. They're Fresno all be- State. Fresno State. They're all more deserving and, or he said they're all better and more deserving of a playoff chance yep. than we were. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I lost my shit. And all we've done is prove him wrong. And now the LSU thing is a blip, which another point too, LSU is really, really good this year, which only makes our eight-point loss even, even better. better. Especially we didn't have McKenzie. Yeah. And, you know, here's here's something I heard today that I have not heard yet. Everyone's like goes back and forth between the we didn't have KZ, single most important position in any sport, and between that and the LSU didn't have anyone in defense. Someone said this, and it made sense. That game doesn't matter. There was too many players missing from both sides for it to really, really count that much. And I think that's the best way to put it. Like, yeah, we lost. We could have won. 
maybe they would have whooped us with their whole defense. Who knows? So just kind of a wash. But yeah. the fact that we hung there with them and now they're really good this year only helps our case. So I guess we got to run it back. Ooh. <laughs> In the playoff. So the college football playoff, first rankings, seven weeks away. I'm saying it right now. I guarantee we make the playoff this year. Whoa. Yeah. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. If we go undefeated. Or you're just guaranteeing. I guarantee you. All right. I guarantee we go undefeated. And make the playoff. And make the playoff. <laughs> um, it honestly would be better to make the playoff because the two um, the two semifinal games are the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta. So Honestly, be the Peach Bowl again. That'd be great. That'd be great. It'd probably be us versus Clemson. I mean, yeah, the Peach Bowl would be fun to go back to, but this is honestly like the one thing that the only negative about making the playoff is it's either Peach or Fiesta, and it, I was excited to like go to a new bowl, the Cotton Bowl, or if it were any other year, it would have been the Sugar Bowl, New Orleans, Orange Bowl, Miami, Easy. Uh, the Rose Bowl, but. I'm not going to complain. So far. I'll settle for the Peach Bowl. Um, I'll settle. <laughs> UCF, pro- I'll settle for the college bowl playoff, I guess so. <laughs> but, dude, first rankings. Here's a uh, quick take on the projected line. Ooh, I love sending these out. It ruffles people's feathers. But projected line, if we were to play Clemson, currently, uh, neutral field... I would say Clemson minus 12. It's not Dude, bad. That's not bad. I mean, the two, it, it's weird because Bama and Clemson are, like, so f- much farther ahead of... What about, like, us and Georgia or us, us and LSU? Uh, us and LSU would only be LSU minus 5. So they're saying right now that on a neutral we would be... 5-point you know, underdogs. Yeah, 5-point yeah. five point, five point dogs, which we were 7.5-point dogs. At the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, like in the power rankings, probably pick them would be anywhere like Notre Dame, Oregon, Auburn, Texas A&M, all those, all those four teams, the line would be pretty much even. Yeah. Yes, dude, we're making the playoff. We are making the playoff this year. I, I just feel it. This is it, man. This is our year. You know, so in order to do that, obviously, we have to root for all of our opponents to win, even after we play them good for our strength of schedule hope they can sneak into the rankings and obviously root for everyone else to lose here's one thing too is like we also need to like beat the brakes off of Pitt and do that transitive property thing where people are like oh Pitt only lost to Penn State by seven but they lost to UCF by 50 maybe UCF is good which I know is stupid but it's it's all we got it's all we got (laughs) right now man and I want to make the playoff and this is our best team ever so all right, so some other games uh, that happened this week. Memphis beat South Alabama by a whole hell of a lot more than Nebraska did, so Memphis moves to 3-0. Temple, 2-0, took care of Maryland, even though I told you guys to take Maryland in the minus eight. didn't really work out for me, but um, it's all right. We'll get them this week. And the uh, Florida Gators, good God, they are so bad. Horribly overrated. Unfortunately, you know, their quarterback, Felipe Franks, I don't ever like to see anyone get injured. Of course. But I think he, like, he broke his, an- his ankle or knee or something. He, it rolled back nasty. It did not look good. He's done for the season. Uh, they honestly, like... Incredibly, he, though, I think they're... I watched their backup quarterback. He seemed actually to be better. 
yeah. uh, than Felipe. I, so it could be possibly be an upgrade for them. I agree. Back to Temple. So Temple is 33rd in the AP poll. Memphis squeaked up to 30. Memphis 3-0, Temple 2-0. Both just on the edge of the AP poll. Play each other four weeks from now. If neither of them lose, they'll both be ranked by then, and that will help the winner, obviously, go up even more in the rankings, which will be good for us. Hopefully, Temple beats Memphis because that would give us that ranked game. Big upset of number 22, Maryland, like you said. Do you think that might be our hardest game besides Pitt? Or, I don't know, a lot of people are saying that. I posted something on Twitter that had the projected betting lines for our remaining games. Now, we'll be updating this weekly as the power rankings adjust per game. But right now, they're saying it's a tie that our away game against Cincy and our away game against Tulane will be the two closest remaining games. Also tied for second is the pit game and our away game versus Temple. So, obviously, our road games are a lot harder than home games. That's why these lines are a little bit more skewed towards towards us for our home games. Um, so, we have one of the one of the most difficult places to play in, in all of college football. Absolutely. And that's me. That's you. That's my lack of voice. That's everyone making a lot of noise. We're all a part of this. Yeah, one of the toughest places to play, and it's awesome. So, yeah, what are some other games this week that might affect us in the rankings, possibly? So, there's a decent amount of top 25 games this week, unlike last week where there was zero. Uh, we got number 11, Michigan, going at number 13, Wisconsin. Number 8, Auburn, going to face number 17, Texas A&M. Texas and- A&M, sorry to cut you off. They will 100% jump us in the rankings if they win. Just saying. Which at number 17? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Although, that was in the past. This is the new rankings where everyone understands how good we are yeah plus i I guess it depends i don't know i just i don't see how you could think 14 teams are better than us right now no we're a top 10 team we are like just i hate this phrase but like off the eye test or whatever air quotes eye test florida is not a top 10 team and i had this argument with some of my gator friends and they're like look we were ranked eight and we're undefeated why should we go down I'm like, you were ranked eight based off of last season. Just watch the games. You don't look that good. And we do. I was saying that before, Stanford. It doesn't matter who we played. We just look great. But that's why I've said it a million times. They need to not do the rankings until like week, at least week four. But how do you not do the rankings, though? Everyone has their own rankings. It's just... Just don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> But then I guess for ratings, you can't be like, oh, well, it's top 25 you need matchup, rankings. This, that, Even if the AP doesn't do them, then Joe Schmo has his rankings, and you go off something. The only way to not have rankings is to make it like a, a punishable by jail time. There you go. Solves everything. <laughs> you go to jail if you put out rankings the first four weeks. After that, you take all the teams, look at their wins and losses, and come up with your rankings. Boom. Just solve college football. The one and only UCF <laughs> Probs. Um, All right, and so then there, there's one other game that I was going to get to. It's number three, Georgia, against number seven, Notre Dame. Now, probably whoever loses that game isn't going to fall behind us. That's what we call a quality loss. Right. <laughs> it's it's only week four, you know, coming up. Well, everything will sort itself out. Keep going 1-0. and oh. Yeah, that's that's, that's all we can do. Um, all right. Moving on. Let's do Probs Probs this week. 
Might be a little bit of a surprise. Had a lot of candidates. Spent some time thinking about this, but I'm really happy with what I ended up picking. I'm going to go with Pitt's head coach and his very dumb decision-making. Let me paint a little picture for you here. Pitt has fourth and goal from the one-yard line. It's 4.55 on the clock. You're down 17-10. to 10. One touchdown on the road at Penn State. Hostile environment. Huge upset game. What do you do? Decide to kick a freaking field goal. You're down seven under five minutes left on the one-yard line, and you kick a field goal, which they missed, by the way. But even if you make it, guess what you need to do when you get the ball again? Score a touchdown. So why not just do it when you're on the one freaking yard line? This guy gets paid millions of dollars to make a decision like this. And they asked him about it in the press conference. He said, well, you still got to score twice to win. Well, you know what? Actually, you don't. You can score the touchdown and go for two if you really want to win. Or you could just go to overtime where everyone gets the ball again. Instead, you make the bonehead decision to kick a field goal, which even if he made it, it wouldn't have mattered because they got the ball back and didn't score a touchdown again. And that pisses me off because if Pitt had upset Penn State, that would make our game going into Pitt so much more important. Instead, you were a freaking idiot. You try and kick the field goal. You miss. You lose. You deserve to lose. And that makes our game count a little bit less going into this week. You know, Pitt's off a hot upset against a top 10 or top 12 team or whatever. And we're off this, you know, destruction of Stanford. Now everyone's really talking about us. Instead, it's just, oh, it's one and two Pitt. It's UCF. They should beat them. So, I don't know. That's my whole rant. That's probs, probs. Um, What a freaking moron. Anyway, uh, that brings us into the Pitt game preview. Like I said, Pitt one and two. They lost to Virginia, who's not that good, as shown by the top almost, twenty-five. They're still not that good. They almost <laughs> lost to Florida State. Again, proving the rankings are dumb. And number thirteen, Penn State. We're getting ready to go up to that game, uh, but let's talk about Pitt a little bit first. Pittsburgh. All right. Oh, you pretty much already said it. They're one and two. <laughs> They lost two. They, I mean, their two losses are against top twenty-five teams. So I don't know. They won against Ohio. Well, we're about to make that three. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much the same team as last year. They they're returning starters, five on offense, six on defense. So they lost about half of their starters from last year. So you're saying we should win forty-five fourteen again and take the minus fourteen spread? I just don't think they were ready for us last year. Now that could change. This year, I can explain in Money Moose picks, but all right, you all know, right. I still think we're going to win the game pretty easily. You know, it's this we've already seen this team. Last year, I remember this stat that we outgained them 568 yards to 272. They also had some gar- a lot of garbage time yardage. And I mean, we w- completely dominated this team. And I think one of their touchdowns was like a punt return or something too. So the score is even somehow closer yeah. than the actual game. We, I, mean, I mean, it's the same quarterback who we sacked like a hundred times. Same moron year. coach. Same moron coach. Um, one thing I will say though is that one, like I said, this is a re- revenge game. Two, we're on the road, which can be difficult. And three, they're going to pull out all the stops. They're one and two right now. Pat Narduzzi might be coaching for his job, and the last thing he wants to do is get blown out by UCF again. I expect to see some trickery, some fakes. I mean, this guy's going to dump the whole playbook on us because we might be one of their hardest remaining games besides Clemson. I mean, the ACC is not that good, so I won't be surprised if they pull out everything and we need to be ready for it, and I know Hype will have our guys ready. 
Yeah, I mean, this is what Pitt plays for every year is basically just to be bowl eligible. Like you look at their last five seasons: seven and seven, five and seven, eight and five, eight and five, six and seven. Eight and five is like that weird spot where it's like you can't get rid of the coach, but you're not ever going to be in right. contention. So for like anything. they're they're not trying to win the national championship every year. Like this well, is just what they are. And if they lose this week, it's like one and three is kind of hard to get back to. Three to top bowl. Tw- three top twenty-five losses though. I don't know, man. The ACC maybe they weak. should be ranked. Three quality losses. Three quality. Three losses. quality losses. Ranked pit. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, that'll be fun though. Let's talk up a little bit about the trip. So, me and Moo, as you guys know, are going up. A lot of people are going up there. I mean, the chatter is just everywhere. Like, where do we tailgate? Where do we do this? The uh, New York and Boston alumni are taking like some buses or something and people coming up from D.C. We're going to have a lot of people there. I mean, I'm sure Pitt's really going to turn out for this game, but this might be one of our best away crowds being so far away from Orlando. Obviously, you can't compare like USF or FAU. I think we're going to show up really well. We're hosting the first ever one-night stand kickoff party at Tequila Cowboy Friday night, 8 p.m. See you guys there. It's a really awesome kind of country bar but they have like different rooms There's like a 90s room a karaoke bar just a really big fun venue awesome food menu 21 and up uh the prices are decent they're giving us like four dollar beers and five dollar jaeger shots so you know what could possibly oh, go wrong with that right oh my flight doesn't get into like 7 15 i wonder how fa- how far is the airport not that far the airport's like 15 minutes or maybe miles something like that away okay. it's kind of on the outskirts but the um so this bar i'm talking about and a couple other bars Right next to the stadium, which is like right next to the casino, which has a sports book. Whoa. Just saying. Although, at this point, minus 14, I don't know how much I want to put on them. I mean, 10, I was blowing everyone out. What are you talking about? I'm not putting as much as I did the last two games. I mean, we could win by three touchdowns, and that's like too close for me to want to like bet the house or whatever. But anyway, our hotel, a lot of the hotels are right there. I mean, you won't have to leave like this little one mile radius uh, around Heinz Field. Which, again, another thing, too, it's going to be awesome playing in an NFL stadium. I'm very excited. Heinz Field, I mean, it's, like, legendary. Um, We also got a luxury box suite or whatever somehow or tickets into it. So that'll be cool. And also front row seats on the UCF sideline because I didn't know about the box thing. So we'll be back and forth, but look out for us. We might make some kind of sign. Actually, if you have any good ideas, send them over because we're not – well, I'm not that creative. I couldn't think of anything. Uh. Uh, yeah, but I'm very excited for that. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. What do you think? You got to still look for some fl- flights out there. If you're on the sidelines, like, thinking about, hmm, I wonder if I should go. I don't know. I, what are you waiting for? I looked today. I've been so telling you for weeks. There, I think there's an Allegiant flight from Sanford. Or, no, from uh, from St. Pete for, like, 150 I think. Maybe that was one way. But there's a Tampa Spirit flight for 260 round trip. And my flight that I'm on, I still get the Google price alert. It's only like 169 round trip from Fort Lauderdale. So anyone in South Florida or even in Southwest Florida like I am, book it. It's not too late. Tickets are cheap. There's a lot of people that got 500 level seats from the UCF allotment that are selling them for probably pretty cheap. I mean, if you can go, do go. I understand people have work and money, whatever. That's okay. But if you have the means and the time to do it, come. This is going to be awesome. And like I said, broken record it's gonna be a really special season and you know just try and be a part of it as much as you can never know when you'll be back here so um 
yeah, that's it. Come to Pitt. We need to demolish them. You know, transit property, Penn State. Let's go. See you guys. Kill Cowboy. All right, let's move on. It's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves. <laughs> All right, guys, we're back to the number one segment of the show, Money Moves Picks of the Week. A little bit of a down week last week. We went one and two. Ouch. We had our huge winner with UCF, as always, of course. And our losses were Iowa, only by a half point. Still really mad about that. Uh, had them at minus one and a half, and they lost by two. So, you know, it happens. And then a uh, complete whiff by me, which also happens. Uh, Maryland minus eight, and they ended up losing the game straight up. That was a good whiff, though. Like, if you're going to whiff, have it be on an in-conference team upsetting a P5. Like, yeah, that's, it's not too bad. That Whiff it up. like. <laughs> so... Uh, so we move our our uh, season record to five and four, still on the better side of winning. Yeah, and uh, we got three really good games. I feel pretty confident uh, about these games, even though the first one you're probably going to spit your water out. Yeah, I, I, when I tell you about. I saw <laughs> about this. It. I'm like, dude, what? Although they covered, you just have to trust in the moo. They almost won last week. They should have, but they like ran the clock at the end. On the first down, they didn't stop right. the clock. So I mean, they had a chance to win, and they would have covered and actually won outright. So, <laughs> all right, pick number one. Oh, you didn't say the pick before yet. you laugh. <laughs> before you laugh, this is a tried and true system, by the way. Over an entire season last year, yeah, there's been fifty nine percent. There's been other picks that you were like, "This makes no sense," but I'm going to stick to my system, which is how yeah. you have to do it. We're just going to stick to it. We're going to take Florida State, <laughs> Florida State Seminoles. They're a pick 'em right now, so no line versus Louisville. Now the game is at home and Florida State, and in my personal power rankings, my projected line, it should be Florida State minus a touchdown. Why in the hell am I doing this? Why am I picking Florida State? So from your power rankings, they're actually a much better team than their their record and the scores have made out to be, which actually I can see. Right now, that that's the only way that I pick games is. I look at my own power rankings, and then I match those up against what the real lines are, and I look for variances, looking for value, and there has to be usually at least six to seven points worth of value before I say, hey, there's a bet. Right. So Florida State, the line is pick them. It should be minus seven. But first off, Louisville is absolutely horrible. You know, they got blown out by Notre Dame, who's not even that good anyway. This is their first true road game, although for some reason they played a neutral site game against Western Kentucky last week. Bet you didn't know that. What? And uh, Oh, it's an like in-state rivalry or something? something. Well, they <laughs> actually played in Nashville. What? This is all true. And uh, so the Florida <laughs> State defense is pretty bad, but this being a home game, this is a must-win for Taggart. He's like coaching for his job. They need to get to a bowl or else Taggart's gone. Obviously, last year, bottomed out was like five. I think they were five and seven. First time they missed a bowl in like 30-some-odd years. So, anyway. I got rid of Papa John from their stadium, too. So, it's a whole whole blank slate. Fresh start here at Louisville. Well, no. I, I was Louisville. talking about Florida State. All right. I'm just going to cut <laughs> all of that out. <laughs> Florida State, a sneaky good strength of schedule. They've actually played two top 25 teams. But you look at their record, one and two. They could easily be 3-0. and They've lost leads in the fourth quarter in technically all three games, even though they won against Louisiana Monroe. They were winning in the fourth quarter. 
And they're winning in the fourth quarter against Boise and the same against Virginia. So what you're saying is their coaching stinks. Right. No, fourth <laughs> quarter, it's all coaching. But for them to be pick em against a bottom feeder Louisville at home, I think is a steal. So take the Seminoles at pick em. So, like, I saw your notes and everything and completely disagreed, but you actually just sold me on this pick. You're right. When you look at step back and look at the big picture, Florida State could be 3-0. and they just they like, really could be three and zero against two top twenty five teams. They just blew it. But Louisville is so bad that for the spread to be pick them even at home, it does sound like a pretty good. That's pick. That's what I'm saying. So I'm there's sold. value. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, wow. Florida State. I, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> you did a good job there. All, All right, right. What's next? Next pick. I'm gonna go with Wisconsin minus three and a half at home against big rival Michigan. Now, this should be closer to, like, Wisconsin minus 10. This is the second of five home games in a row for Wisconsin. So they're super settled. They know they got, you know, family in town. Everybody's happy. They know they don't have to, like, go off on a a crazy road trip or anything. Everyone's settled, comfortable. Nerves are calm. You know, even though both teams are coming off a bye, Wisconsin has yet to give up a point. What? In two weeks. Well, I mean... They've outscored their opponents 110 to nothing. But, I mean, look at their opponents. Okay, so they did play USF and Central Michigan. Central Michigan? But still... Antonio Brown went there. Even in garbage time. So you're talking about the second and third stringers. Even we, like one of the top teams in the country, give up garbage time points. Right? Yeah. So it's all about that confidence, ultra confidence, outscoring their opponents 110 to zero, and coming off a bye, and at home. You could make the argument, though, that they haven't really played anyone and, like, Michigan might be their first real test and they're not ready for it. Just, I don't know. Well, Michigan's had a couple of tough games. Uh, they yeah, played middle- Tough is an understatement. Well, they went. They had to go to overtime against Army, which was, they should have rolled. Army does that to a top-10 team every year, though. <laughs> they struggled in the first half against Middle Tennessee State, even though the, they ended up outscoring them, I think, 41-14. But still, that if you're going to struggle, it should be in the second half when you're up a lot. Right. Michigan, very overrated. And they're not a great road team. This is their first road test of the year. I think Wisconsin's going to be totally up for this game. Still got Heisman hopeful Jonathan Taylor. Running, He's really good. Running in the backfield. Averages seven yards a carry. And three and a half is just, it's just not enough. Wisconsin. Scoring 55 points a game and you're only favoring them by three and a half. At home, taking Wisconsin. Wisconsin to me does this thing every year where they're always just, for whatever reason, ranked kind of high. And they just don't end up being that good. Like when Wisconsin, they've never made the playoff. I, I don't know. It just, it, it, I'm not sold on them, but I'm also not sold on Michigan. So I'll probably stay away from this game. But I, I do see where you're coming from. Um, what's your next pick? Third and final pick, first underdog of the week. Oh. We're taking South Carolina plus nine and a half against Missouri. Now, last week South Carolina had a tough, tough game against Alabama, but they actually stood their ground for a little bit of like the first quarter. <laughs> but they did wow. put up they did put up 459 yards of offense even against the second stringers of Alabama. Let me talk about this real quick. Will Muschamp did the same thing I just talked about earlier about the field goal thing. I think they were down 14 and like very close or had a close fourth down and he kicked a field goal. So you go from down two scores to down two scores and when you're playing a team like Alabama, you need to take chances. I I don't understand. Anyway, sorry. 
Probs, probs round two. Yeah. You only get one of those. <laughs> Am I wrong about this stuff, though? Like, Nah, I think you got to go for I, it. I don't know. Anyway. Until but. you don't get it. But whatever. <laughs> All right. South Carolina, they lost to UNC by four. This is their first road game, but this is Missouri's first real test. So they lost to Wyoming, 94th in the power rate and the power rankings. There's only 120 FPS teams, so they lost to a horrible Wyoming. Even though they're three and zero. So the other teams they beat must not have been that good either. No, but that terrible. means Missouri still really stinks. Right. So Missouri, all they've done is they beat Southeast Missouri State and West Virginia. Who West Virginia is really down this year. Almost lost to James Madison. Hey, that's one of the best. Fourteen to seven. It's one of the best D two teams or whatever they're called. Nah. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, Missouri still Missouri could still win the game. But yeah. that's why South Carolina, nine and a half points. That's a lot of points for it's a lot of points for a conference game. Conference game, two bad teams. It should always be like, I don't know, at least less than a touchdown. I, I agree with you on that. Now it could be it could be kind of high because South Carolina starting a true freshman quarterback. That's true. Even though, you know, the anomaly Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> Yeah, but as a true freshman, he's the exception, not the rule. Him and Trevor Lawrence, that's like it. Correct. So, anyway, we're taking South Carolina plus the points. Missouri's a fraud. Uh, I could I could see South Carolina maybe even pulling the upset, but you never know. It's the SEC. The bottom feeders, they always like beat up on each other and we'll hey, take South Carolina. SEC, it just means more or whatever. So to recap the picks really quick, Yo. we are going to be... Oh, I forgot to talk about UCF. Okay, so I am not including UCF in Money Moves Picks of the Week for a few good reasons. Number one, there is absolutely zero value on it, okay? My personal power ranks, I have UCF as minus 13.5 against Pitt. That's what I think it should be. That's what we're probably going to win by. Even though I mean, so you nailed. I it. hope that I hope that we're gonna win by you know four touchdowns, but I really think, you know, my power ratings say that they should be minus thirteen and a half. The line came out at what minus twelve. It's already up to minus fourteen. I got t- I got ten and a half, and like I like refreshed it, and it was at eleven and a half. I texted someone, and it was at thirteen. It's already like at thirteen and a half or fourteen. By the time the show drops, it'll probably be at like three touchdowns. Honestly. Yeah. And I'm not People saying, finally figured it out. Yeah, like, we're I'm, not a secret anymore. I'm not saying at all that I think we're going to lose the game or we're not going to cover the spread. I really do think we are. Uh, it just the system that I use, there's no value in, in putting money on, on UCF, even though I probably still will. I, yeah, I, nowhere I, near as much as I did the last two weeks right. where there was huge value to be had. So this now is, everyone's catching up to Vegas is catching up to it. And you know it's a it's a fifty fifty shot. So this is like a one utter pick, is what you would say. So one utter, one utter here, one utter on UCS. UCS. Yeah. One utter. Go ahead. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I still, I'm still gonna bet us. I'll I'll probably get drunk at the casino sportsbook and bet a little bit more. But that's honestly, dude, having that ticket, cashing in that ticket, man. Yeah. That's way different than gambling online. Well, I'm probably still. I gotta go do like a ten dollar UCF to win the national championship. Of course. Oh, I, I have a sick, book. So we'll have to go yeah. after we win the Natty. We'll have to fly up to friggin' Pittsburgh to cash it. Well, in. I'll just have. I'll probably keep it forever, honestly. Or do like a one dollar one and yeah. then a ten dollar one. I got. I have a little one. ticket book and I got some old ticket bets that I have in there. Nice. But anyway. So I get what you're re- saying, though. Yeah, just like a souvenir. Souvenir. Yeah. 
If anybody wants some souvenirs, I feel like we should get some dollar ones. People, yeah, if they want to buy it off us. Dollar anyway. ones? Some for five? <laughs> yeah, good money maker. <laughs> yeah. All right. Recapping the picks, we got Florida State Pickham versus Louisville. We got Wisconsin minus three and a half against Michigan and South Carolina plus nine and a half against Missouri. Let's get that money. All right, last up, we have Moo's Mailbag. Thank you guys all for your submissions. Moo, let's start it off. All right, first question comes from Duck Swaggins. What does Hype do if KZ comes back at 100% healthy next season and Dylan Gabriel continues his role currently? How would you handle that situation if both deserve to start? To QB battle, best man wins, right? I mean, I mean, straight up, that's it, it? Well, you know, actually, you know what? First of all, it depends on how Dylan ends the season. Like, I have full confidence in him, but he's only had a couple of good games. I think he's going to be great. We don't know that, though, technically. So we look at the end of the season and then kind of go from there. But if he finishes the season strong, I think it's his job to lose. But at the same time, every coach says this coming into camp. Every position's wide open. If McKenzie's, you know, better, he's going to get some looks. God, we have way too many quarterbacks at that point. <laughs> Here's the way I think of it. So there's some different scenarios. First one, we roll through the season. We're undefeated. You know, we go Play to the playoff, off. do whatever. But we finish the season undefeated. Dilly Gabriel's MVP. And KZ comes back. I honestly think that KZ is the type of person, I don't know him personally, but just from, you know, hearing him in interviews and our interview and everything, I think KZ just takes a seat man i yeah. really do he really wants to be the a coach eventually so what's and playing one year and risking injury again, i feel like he's so selfless that he would never want to take the starting job away from from dylan now if it was the other way and we struggled a little bit or um you know we lost a couple games then i think if we really needed him you know kz would want to get back as fast as he can but yeah. I don't know. I'm like talking myself out of this because KZ at the same time is extremely competitive. That's what I'm going to say. But Dylan is too. He, so he's determined. KZ is determined to play again. He's never going to get to the NFL if he can't prove that he can play after this injury in college, right? I think. I mean, I don't know. A lot of question marks. Still. But for him, is playing again just actually going out there and, and being a backup? Not saying that's what he would be. But does that count as playing, or does he want to like play and start again? Who knows, man? I think he's the only person that knows. We're never gonna know. I mean, he's still, you know, on a giant brace and barely starting to walk, and he's a long ways away. I hope he makes a full recovery, and we get to argue about this like all off season. That would be the best case scenario. He would be. I mean, it'd be great for him. It'd be great for us. It's not a bad problem to have. So, I mean, you know, we're just speculating. Who knows? Either way, guess what? We're taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll take the next question here. This question's from Ryan Bobrick. Does Hypo call a more aggressive second half against Pip? Coach Narduzzi's post-game comments last year were pretty dismissive of our talent. I'd run it up like it was USF. What do you think, Moo? I mean, yeah, sure. But uh, I don't think he calls a more aggressive second half. It all depends on how the first half goes, but... Hypo to me at least seems you know like he's he's never been one to run up the score. I mean, here's the thing. Stanford 
I mean, they could have bought out this last game and been like, I don't want to do anything with UCF. They didn't have to still come play us. If we had run up the score like many people in my mentions are suggesting, no P5 team would ever want to come here. It's just disrespectful. Yeah. Now, well, I guess I never thought of I'm it that not, way. I'm not happy with the fact that we gave up some points, obviously. But at the same time, we've really only got one speed with our starters. And, you know, we dialed it down. We moved to, like, more of a prevent defense. I think that was fair. We won the game. Stanford pretty much admit that they gave up when they kicked a field goal in, like, the third quarter when we were up, like, five scores. I think at that point, everyone was like, all right, let's just get through this game. No injuries. But, yeah, I mean, I know that we need to, like, blow teams out. But we did blow Stanford out. Even though we only won by 18 or whatever, we blew them out. And anyone that watched the game knows that. But at a certain point, you do have to be respectful of your opponent because, you know, if you really, I mean, dude, if it was like 60 to nothing, no P5 team would ever want to schedule home and home with us, ever. Nope. So, so like I said, I mean, Hypo's whole thing, I mean, I give him props for it's the same thing and he's been consistent as to go one and know. And we just go on and know every week. You know, if it if it happens again this week, we're up thirty eight to seven. It's gonna be a conservative second half. I'm sorry. Yeah, it just is. I hope it is. That's great. Yeah, That's, great yeah. problem to have. Yeah. Up thirty one points. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next question is from Golden Knight Two. So, what round is Gabriel Davis going to be picked in the draft? I think he's a first rounder, and my words have been marked. I've said this for the last couple of years that he's going to be, you know, a top one or two, but. I mean, that cornerback that Sanford had was supposed to be like a top draft pick and <laughs> smoked him. He made him look stupid. <laughs> yeah, he is a first round talent. It's just a matter of will he get the exposure because a lot of the top scouts just don't get to watch our games. Luckily, he did that against Stanford. So hopefully someone will notice that even if they're only watching it for the cornerback. You know, here's the thing, though. Wide receivers just aren't going in the first round that much anymore. DK Metcalf was supposed to, and there was only like one receiver picked that high. Teams just, you know, they want to fill other positions that they feel are more important. But talent-wise, he's a first-round pick, I would say. Only a junior this year, so he still has one year of eligibility he after after this season. He However, with the numbers that he's putting up and the talent that he has, I really don't see how he stays for his senior year. I don't think he has anything left to prove. Now you look back, Traquan Smith was a third round pick, and we all saw we all see how well he's doing in the NFL. Definitely a steal for the th- for a third rounder. But Gabe Davis is one of those talents because he has the size and the speed and the skill. Traquan is not as big as Gabe Davis. I mean, he's like unguardable almost with that kind of speed and his moves and his size. Like you can't guard him. Squints talked about it two weeks ago. He's literally unguardable. So I, I, I'm going to stick with it. First round is what I'm going to say. All right, this next one's from Todd Hauser. I agree that everyone should have worn white shirts. Can we just black out every game, though? The switching of what color we're supposed to wear every game is too confusing. UCF game, always wear black. What do you think, Moo? I think eh, I like the white out. You know, I don't like changing it up every game. I say, you know, we have one game that's a white out, and... That'll be our afternoon game, and then every other game, wear black. That's that's my opinion on it. I agree. The anthracite, whatever. It's like, it's dark gray. It's almost black. That's even a harder color to find find than a white shirt. If you wear black to anthracite, it still looks, it's dark. It's a dark out, whatever. 
a couple things here. One, we don't know what time these games are going to be when we schedule the UCF fans wear. And if you don't do it far enough in advance, people don't know what to wear. If it was a night game, people would have been like, oh, it should have been a blackout. We should do a whiteout every year. As far as the, I've seen this a lot. Like, oh, it should have been a whiteout, even though it rained, because it's too hot to wear black in August, September, October. Just really, when it's friggin' hot out and the sun's blaring in your face, does it matter if you have on a white shirt or a black shirt? I feel like that's just some myth or parents. A little bit. Uh, it's like a little bit. A little bit, but like you're still going to be miserable. I feel like that's more of like an overblown myth than anything. I, I think we should wear black almost every game. We schedule white, and then everyone complains because it's raining. It's like, dude, they didn't know the weather forecast when they decided this in friggin' July. Yeah. Like, what are we <laughs> supposed to do? And you uh, know what? Plenty of other schools do whiteouts and other stuff, and it's fine. What UCF tells you to do, just do it. It's not that big of a deal, and it looks cool. Like, come on, people. I do agree, though. It is a little confusing. Like, one of them, you do fan vote. Like, we just want to I agree. Work. I agree. Every game should Make be black besides one. Yeah, yep. one whiteout game, and then every other game is black. I agree. I agree. All right, this next question is from MD Knight 2016 Top fan, by the way. I was going to say, one of our best listeners. Which position group are you most surprised about so far this season? I got two answers percolating. But I'm going to go with the D-line. That's your second use of the word percolating so far in this pod. <laughs> I just I, had to point that out. Um, what's it called? Word of the day, toilet paper. <laughs> I, had a, I had a percolating. All right, anyway. Um, I got to go with the D-line. Overall, very young. I know we had some transfers, but there was a big question mark heading into the season. The D-line's not like one position. I mean, we rotate those guys, you know. I think we're using a huge rotation of them looking, from looking at the snap counts last week. They've been really, really good against, you know, Stanford that's supposed to have this big, bad offensive line. And I think they played really, really well last game. So far, I'd have to say it's them, other than ob- the obvious pick. Right. Of course, the obvious yeah. pick. <laughs> uh, the QB. No, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm more surprised by the QB than I am the defensive line. I think the defensive line, giant question mark coming into it. But... You know, UCF over the last few years, we've always said, oh, we're losing this guy, we're losing that guy, what's it going to be? Guess what happens? Somebody steps up. It's always somebody new. Yeah. You know, and now that we've had these few years of, you know, we're rolling, we're getting more press, we're, you know, 28-1 and over the last 29, it's just going to keep happening. The good players are going to come here. The talent is going to come here. We've got great coaches and a great strength and conditioning staff to get these guys up, you know, to the same physical levels as everyone else in college. They're coming out of high school and they leave like, you know, grown freaking men, seriously. And uh, yeah, we really develop our talent well. I mean, look, how many, four, we get like one four star per year. Yeah, we have a team just as talented as almost any other school in the nation, which most of the P5 schools get multiple four and sometimes even five stars for like crappy schools like Rutgers. We're doing more with way less, and that's a testament to all of our athletic staff and uh, the coaches and everyone. So, All right, next question. All right, this next question's from Wide Peppo. Will we ever see Brandon Wimbush again? Why put Wimbush in for one play? Um, you know, they just – if it was me, I could see it. You know, what we were down on the two-yard line, three-yard line. Perfect opportunity. The kids – to run the wildcat i mean the kid's talented you you've got a big body out there and we just want to try and run it up the gut and run it down stanford's throat why not I, that's what i'm gonna say why not 
Um, it obviously didn't work out. I don't think it was his fault. I don't know. I think he was kind of looking for a hole, just kind of had nowhere to go. But I don't know. Why not? Wildcat works for a lot of other teams. I, I don't know. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's, put him in for one play or don't play him at all. I mean, it's, hey, the Taysom Hill thing works in, for the Saints. Yeah, maybe, maybe we did that. He purposely got stuffed, so next time he like comes up and does a little like jump, a little pass. jump. Oh, Although we, I like I think that. we tried that yeah. and it didn't work, but whatever. You know what? Who knows? At this point, anything Coach Heupel does, I am one million percent on board with. I'm not mad about it at all. If he does it again, doesn't work. I'm sure there was a very good reason. That's all I got to say. All right. Let's wrap this up. Long episode there. Uh, anything else? What do we got? Score predictions? What do you think, Moo? I think we keep the streak alive of over 30 points, but it's a little bit closer than most people think. I think it's going to be uh, you know, 38-21. Okay, interesting. I've got, so look at last year's team. We beat them 45-14 on, at home. What's home field advantage worth to you? Six-point swing the other way. Give them six. That makes 45-20. to 20, And I think we're a touchdown better than we were last year. 52-20, UCF on the road. Let's go. How awesome were all the Dylan Gabriel gifts? Dude. Love it. Yo, he is so photogenic. The like, Home Alone one was my favorite. Dude, everything. I yeah, Give it up. Give me. <laughs> just wait. Dude, this is with, what, two games? He's actually like played a lot of us like getting footage of him. Just wait till we have a whole season of his little, like, and uh, you can't tell what I'm doing. But. His little eyebrows going up and crap. And yeah. He seems like a funny guy. Yeah. So anyway, come to Pittsburgh. How many times have we got to tell you? Yeah. This is going to be an awesome time. Once in a lifetime. Until the next big road. Where's the pre-game party at on Friday night? Tequila Cowboy. It's right there by the stadium. Everything. 8 p.m., come later, whatever. I know a bunch of people's flights don't come to later. I mean, we're going to be there all night. Well, not all night because, yeah, but I'm for a decent amount of time. Maybe until I get bored and go to the casino. Um, all right, yeah, go Knights. Charge on. Shots. Shots.